0: Did you know that according to the Bible, Jesus not only died, but that it was impossible for him to stay dead?
1: Welcome to the Pack to My Mike Grimes with Pat Avendroth, and on today's episode, we will be considering the resurrection of Jesus. This is episode 153 on resurrection.
0: First episode 2024 it releasing. Is. Yeah. Hopefully it's going to be a good year. Mike, before we go any further, I do have a joke for you. Oh, you do? You ready? Oh boy. I'm getting hey, ready to laugh. Hold here on. you go. A man walks into a reformed church and they're singing, I have decided to follow Jesus. <laughs> that's it. That's the joke.
1: <laughs> I was wondering if there's more because I thought that's funny enough right there. <laughs>
0: that is I have the joke. <laughs> Oh, we are continuing our uh. series today called Gospel Doctrines, and that is because, given the fact that the gospel is of first importance, we want to talk with you all in the Pactum verse about what vital doctrines are associated with the gospel. Right, so yep. There are a lot of things that are important in the Bible, a lot of things important in the Christian life, but if something's of first importance, a la 1 Corinthians 15, which is the gospel, we better know what the gospel is, we better know what vital doctrines are associated with it, and maybe get good at understanding them. Yeah, if Not perfect, we're not perfect, but at least work at getting better at understanding the life, the death, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus. Today we're talking about the resurrection. Yeah. And surprise, surprise, here on the Pactum, we are going to do you know a top 10 list of hey, sorts there you because go. that's kind of how we roll. That's the way we do it. I think it's because you know, growing up, we watched David Letterman late night or something. Yeah, that back was, when, when like, you could watch that stuff 10. and
1: it was enjoyable, right? The <laughs> back, top 10. Back when late night comedians were somewhat funny. Funny. <laughs> Yeah, so we've got a top 10 list here we're going to work our way through, and uh, we're going to be talking about, as Pat mentioned, resurrection, and we're going to be talking about everything from the vitality of the resurrection to the new creation, so we've got a lot of things to cover here, a lot of ground to cover, so let's get the top 10 list started, and this vital feature of the resurrection is that the resurrection of Jesus... Is a vital gospel doctrine. It's why it is.
0: Indeed, it is. 1 Corinthians 15, as we already mentioned, does say that the gospel is of first importance. In verse 3, it says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. Verse 4, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. So. Let's make sure we understand a thing or two about the resurrection. I'm pretty excited about this episode because yeah. mm-hmm. there are things uh, that I'm always learning. There's always There are always new things about – there There are not always new things about the resurrection. Right, right, right. <laughs> but I'm always learning a new angle, new perspective, nuance. The Bible has so much to say. Yeah. And it's exciting to learn things.
1: It is. It's very exciting to learn things. Because then you
0: share what you've learned with other people, and that's exciting because you've been helped. Now you can help other people. Right, yeah. So – There is that. Uh, We should also even acknowledge that in 1 Corinthians 15, which is the classic resurrection text in the New Testament, uh, without the resurrection, without the bodily resurrection of Jesus, stressing its importance, uh, the Apostle Paul says in verse 14 that our preaching is in vain. Hmm. Your faith is in vain. Verse 17 would say that your faith is futile because you're still in your sins. Verse 19, that we of all people would be pitied if it weren't for the resurrection. And so it's a... It's a die, die on that hill kind of doctrine. Yeah, super If important. we don't have it, we don't have Christianity. If we don't have it, Christianity is a joke. It's awful. We should do something else with our time. <laughs> right, yeah. But Christians believe and have always believed that Jesus was raised from the dead bodily.
1: Yeah. So the resurrection is vital. Also, uh, we'll have a lot of reasons, as we mentioned today. The resurrection of Jesus is necessarily historic,
0: yeah, right? It's, That's again back yeah. to 1 Corinthians 15. He appeared to Cephas, then he appeared in verse 6, then he appeared in verse 7, and he appeared in verse 8. Right. And he just keeps stressing the the
1: appearance. It's it's a, a it is an historic reality. Right. Yeah, not something that happened in secret. It's not somebody, you know, matching this up or wishful thinking. This is something that actually happened real here. time, real, real space. T- yeah.
0: Before real eyewitnesses. Right. So he lives, he lives, right? Yeah. You ask me how I know he lives. <laughs> he lives within my heart. It's a favorite hymn here on the Pactum. That's two hymns in one <laughs> <We're> episode. <laughs> feeling very traditional. <laughs> no, he, we, we know he lives not because he lives within our heart. We know he lives because he appeared before eyewitnesses. Right, yes. But that doesn't sound as good. Right. It does. It it does.
1: Eyewitnesses. (laughs) That's a lot of (laughs) silver.
0: Indeed, it does kind of address that issue of uh, this kind of uh, sappy sentimentality. Yeah. Remember, dear Pactum listeners, when we're talking about these matters, and even think about apologetics when we're speaking in terms of who Christ is, what He's accomplished, why we believe Christ was raised from the dead. uh, Don't don't think that somehow unbelievers think that you're thinking in proper Christian biblical terms. Hmm. Uh, a lot of people probably assume you're thinking that you think he lives because he lives in your heart. Yeah. yeah, yeah no, yeah. as a Christian, you don't think he lives because he lives in your heart, even though that may be true. Mm-hmm may not be true, may not be. <laughs> <laughs> but because he, he lives, he, he was raised from the dead before eyewitnesses in time, in space. That is what Christians believe. And so it probably wouldn't hurt us at all. In fact, it would help us to stress these kinds of things. Right.
1: Yes. That
0: when we're talking about the, the Christian faith, we're talking about the Christian faith in the bodily resurrected before eyewitnesses, Jesus. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Vital Christian doctrine. Yeah. The bodily resurrection.
1: Right. And it's important because I mean, we're dealing with real people who have real sins. These are real problems. We have a real death problem. Yep. You know, so it's important that we have a real savior who really did not only die for us, but was raised for us, really, actually. Time and space. I like
0: stressing that. I like asking people, and why did Jesus need to really come here and really become one of us and really live and really die and really be raised from truly be raised from the dead? Because we're real. We're real, yeah. <laughs> and we have real sins. Yeah, it's a big deal. Let's do another feature of the resurrection as you're yeah. following along with us. A third feature of the resurrection that makes it a vital Christian doctrine, and that would be the resurrection of Jesus is unique. Yes, unique. And we're, and we're thinking in terms of he wasn't only raised, he was truly raised, and that's really important, but he was raised as a public figure. He was raised as a representative. Louis Burkhoff says the resurrection of Christ did not consist in the mere fact that he came to life again. Hmm. Certainly he did, but it's yes. not the mere fact. Right. And that body and soul were reunited. That's also significant, but that's not the the, the gist of it. Yeah. Burkhoff goes on on to say if this were all that is involved, he could not be called the first fruits of them that fell asleep, 1 Corinthians 15, nor the firstborn from the dead, Colossians chapter 1, verse 18, since others were restored to life before him.
1: Right. Yes. Think of Lazarus, ah, right?
0: Right. So there, it's kind of interesting to think in terms of the fact that there were others who lived. Yes. There were others who were crucified. As a matter of fact, yes, by the yeah, Romans, thousands and thousands of people were crucified. Other people were, at, were actually less of them, but other people were raised from the dead. No, that's that's not what we're really getting at with Jesus. Right. He was raised, and his resurrection is a unique resurrection. Think in terms of federal headship. Think mm. in terms of representation. That's what I meant by a public figure, representative figure. He's called in 1 Corinthians fifteen forty five the last Adam. Right. And we're talking about the first Adam and the last Adam. You know, Romans chapter 5, we have the two representatives, the two two federal heads, and so with Jesus being raised from the dead, he's being raised just like he lived for us, he died for us, he's being raised for For us us. also in in our place. So that we can—his resurrection guarantees our resurrection, and we'll talk about that in just a little while. Yeah. So it's unique for us in that way. Yep. 1 Corinthians 15.21 says, For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Hmm. So representation, yes. it's a glorious reality. Jesus says, John chapter 11, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. So it's the I and the whoever. Hmm. Yeah. The I represents the whoever. Yes. Sounds kind of weird. It does. <laughs> <laughs> Raised in order to raise. Yep. It's also kind of interesting, Mike. I don't know if you've thought much about it. I'm probably new to the party in a certain sense. But to think about the fact that Jesus as Messiah, Jesus as the Christ, mm-hmm. given that he came to save his people from their enemies, he, he's raised as the victorious Messiah because he's conquering the last enemy. First Corinthians fifteen twenty five. He's mm-hmm. conquering the last enemy. He's conquering death.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So it's worth um, considering the Messiah. What does a Messiah do? What does a king do? He provides, he protects, he fights off dangerous enemies. That's what Messiahs are supposed to do. Jesus as the Messiah fights off our worst or or our final enemy, which would be death. So it's a messianic kind of role. For him to be conquering the grave for us by being raised on
1: our behalf. Yeah. So there are other reasons uh, that the resurrection of Jesus is unique, but we'll touch on some of those later in the episode. Uh, But for now, let's continue with our list of reasons that the resurrection is vital. Uh, Another reason is the resurrection of Jesus is his justification. This is another
0: one that gets so exciting mm. because the first time you ever are exposed to it, if you're anything like me, you're thinking, Hmm, hmm. what is, I'm not sure. About I'm that. not so sure yeah, about this. Right? We've spoken about it plenty on the Pactum, yep. but some of you are new. Welcome. Glad you're here. Yeah. Growing, growing, growing. Yep. Yep. And, uh, and if you are new, make sure you, uh, if, if you like what you hear, give us five stars because, yeah. you know, we feel good about that.
1: <laughs> it's nice to be nice. <laughs> it is.
0: So Jesus Resurrection is his justification. Yeah, And we could probably word it in different ways, but I, I kind of like saying it that way. His resurrection is his, the resurrection of Jesus is his justification. Here's what we mean. Yeah. In First Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it talks about this reality. It's an early confession. It's mm-hmm. something that Christians memorized and repeated. Remember, they didn't all carry... Leather-bound Reformation study Bibles right, or right. ESV study Bibles or something like that. Yep. So they would memorize important doctrines so that they can keep them fresh in their minds. And here's what it says. In great indeed, we confess, so we agree to this, all Christians do, is the mystery of godliness. And here's what's meant. He was manifested in, in the flesh, think incarnation, uh, think life and all of those things, vindicated by the Spirit. And everyone agrees, every Bible commentator, that that's talking about the resurrection by the power of the Spirit. Then seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Mm. So with those things in mind, vindicated by the Spirit, it's the same word that's otherwise translated in the English translations, justified. Mm. So he was justified by the Spirit. His resurrection was an official legal declarative act of God where he declared Jesus to be righteous, which is what justification is. So at the resurrection, as he was raised, God was by that act declaring Jesus to be perfectly righteous, a perfect obeyer of God's law. Mm. Thus he was vindicated. He was justified by the spirit that's a whole lot of cool.
1: Yeah, it really is. Yeah.
0: Uh-huh. Jesus perfectly fulfilled all righteousness, Matthew 3.15. He didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law by being righteous, Matthew 5, verse 17. And so he died because he was a substitute, not because he sinned. As a matter of fact, he was perfectly obedient, perfectly righteous. And so he was raised. It wouldn't make sense for him to be dead, right, yeah. uh, to stay dead, if you will. What a what a cool reality! The resurrection is his justification. Yeah, I, I, it's really cool stuff. Yeah,
1: and as you referenced at the very beginning of the episode, Acts two twenty four, God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. That is one
0: of my very favorite things yeah. to say. Uh, I love thinking about it
1: and thinking about the
0: victorious work of Christ. He, he could not stay dead. Yeah, impossible. It was an impossibility for Jesus to stay dead. If he would have been unrighteous then he would have needed to stay dead. Right, right. But Jesus Christ, the righteous, as First John says. And so therefore, it was not possible for him to stay dead, his justification. And what's really cool about that is, since we're united to Christ by faith, hmm. you know what? As sure as he was raised from yeah, the dead, yeah. it's a guaranteed fact. Our justification is as well. Our resurrection is as well. Yeah, it's good. It doesn't get better, folks. It's good. It's it good. It, uh, you might even be able to have assurance.
1: Hey, you know, that's a possibility. <laughs> for S- sure. Scandalously sure. <laughs> yes. Yep. All right. Another reason uh, for the importance, the vitality of the resurrection, the, the resurrection of Jesus is vital for credibility.
0: And we think we're thinking in terms of his credibility. Yeah, right. People yeah. said he was the Messiah and he affirmed. Think think in terms of Matthew chapter 16 when Jesus was saying, who do you say that I am? And you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And uh, Jesus affirms Peter in saying that, you know, heaven revealed that to you. You didn't come up with that on your own. Jesus is stepping into that. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. Well, in reality, for him to be the Christ means he is going to ha- be have to be able to rule and reign forever. Mm-hmm. He can't stay dead if he is the Christ. Right, yeah. It's, it, it cannot be. He cannot fulfill 2 Samuel chapter 7, the Davidic covenant, if he is dead, never to be raised again. Right, yeah. John chapter 18, verse 36, he talks about having a kingdom. Uh, Because he's a king. He is the Messiah. He claimed that if they would kill him, if they would destroy him, he would raise that temple back up in three days. John chapter 2, verses 19 and 21. If he wasn't raised, then he was just bluffing. Right, yeah. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. If he would have stayed dead, he wouldn't be building his church because the gates of Hades, the gates of death would have prevailed against him. He said it wouldn't be the case and it wasn't the case. Credibility, credibility, credibility. Yeah. So – If Jesus would have stayed dead, he would have been a false prophet and not to be trusted and not to be followed, not to have our confidence put in him. He would not be the true and ultimate Messiah Christ bringing in the new creation.
1: Yeah. Next one on our list here goes back to two ago that we just talked about. Jesus' resurrection is for his justification. This one on our list here of reasons the resurrection is vital is because the resurrection of Jesus is for our justification –
0: Raised for our justification. Where's that, Pactum listeners? That's Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter four. When in doubt, just think Romans 4. Yeah. Romans 4.25. <laughs> Romans 4.25. He was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Hmm. His work is you know, one work. It all goes together. We're just focusing on one particular aspect, one particular angle. Right. But it does indeed say raised for our justification. Hmm. So it was on our behalf, as sure as he was declared righteous by heaven by being raised from the dead, he's raised from the dead also for our justification Yeah, because God doesn't look at... Mike Grimes, certainly, and not Pat Abendroth, and say, (laughs) indeed, these podcasters, these Pactum hosts, they they are altogether righteous. They've perfectly loved God and loved neighbor. No, that's not the case. Right. But he looks at us and he declares us to be perfectly obedient to his law. Why? Because of Jesus. And Mm -hmm. we know Jesus Truly was. And we know he truly was because he was vindicated. He was declared righteous as someone who was inherently righteous as the law keeper because he was raised from the dead. We know that it to be true. We know for it to be true. Yeah. So if somebody says to you, Mike, why eternal life for you? Why, why do you deserve eternal life? What are you going to do? What are you going to say?
1: We're going to point to the empty tomb, The <laughs> resurrected Christ, right? I, I'm with him. Just, just stand point to there. Christ, right?
0: Don't say anything. Just stand and point. Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and
0: say I'm with I'm with him. Yeah, that that's that's the right answer to that <laughs> question. <laughs> and you can see why we at the Pactum think it is all kinds of crazy crazy sauce oh, yeah. for people yeah. to teach that somehow justification is in one way, shape, or form based upon. Our works. Mm. No, it's based upon his works and his works that, by the way, are complete and certain, raised for our justification. Our assurance is found in him, not in something that we do. It's true. According to James chapter two, we are justified in the eyes of men and women because they see our actions and our actions should give evidence to the fact that we are children of God. Um, But that's uh, not in the court of, not in God's court of law, but in the court of public opinion, we may or may not be justified because we want our works to complement our, our position in Christ. But the reality is, raised for our justification and since he cannot be unraised Mm. dear listeners Mm. you can't be unjustified and you're never going to be more justified in the eyes of god than you are right now if you are Mm. trusting in the resurrected christ solely deo gloria we say to that yeah sounds like more assurance here and now sdg i always like to say sdg to keep it simple and You know, people have different things that they say on Twitter and I wrote SDGs on something the other day because someone said something nice and someone else was like SDG. Oh, really? And then what is that? And then somebody else said San Diego (laughs) question mark. Really? I don't think I, – I went to public school, but I don't think SDG is the abbreviation for San Diego. San Diego. But the thing is, I really <laughs> like San Diego. So I'll take
1: it. SDG. Right? You were you and Bach, you know, I think best Bach, buds. I don't
0: think Bach was ever in San Diego, but I think he would have liked North County.
1: <laughs> he would have. <laughs> Who wouldn't, right?
0: <laughs> How about another salient feature yes. that is a highlight that makes it vital? The resurrection of Jesus is what we're talking about on today's episode. And the seventh on our top 10 list would be the resurrection of Jesus is for our resurrection.
1: Hmm. Yeah.
0: We've already alluded to this. Yeah. We probably yep. already stated it. But in, for, in 1 Corinthians 15, 20, what Christ has accomplished is described as... The
1: first, first fruits,
0: fruits. Yep. first fruits of those who—what a great euphemism too for those who are Christians. Uh, it's not de- dead, and as if that has the final word. Uh, those who have fallen asleep. Hmm. So it, it is so certain. It's like it, it's it's our siesta. <laughs> <Right? laughs> yeah. We've fallen right. asleep. We we will be. Uh, oh. Awoken, awaken. I'm not sure.
1: Aw- awaken. We don't want to be awoke and <laughs> we want to w- <laughs> We want to. Yeah. First
0: fruits of those <laughs> who have fallen asleep. That's because he leads the way. He is the victor on our behalf. In Michael Horton's "The Christian Faith," he says the resurrection of Christ is not distinct from the resurrection of believers, but the first fruits of the whole harvest. Hmm. I think I think we can get behind that, statement. I like
1: that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. For sure. Encouraging. Comforting. Hope, right? Mm-hmm. I just received a nice email from Michael Horton congratulating me on Covenant Theology and saying something to the effect that now there's a version for all different audiences. <laughs> I think I know That's what he cool. meant by that. But I it was nice. It
1: made that me, is nice. made me smile. Very cool. All right. We're, we're rolling on through these here on this first episode of 2024. How about them apples? Get your motor running. <laughs> I don't know that song. What is that? Head out on the highway. Oh, okay. Is that... Born to be Wild, is that it? Uh, it is. It? Okay, all right. I
0: like the cult version better than the original version. Who, what,
1: who did the original? I don't know. I don't know either. Of course But
0: someone will tell us now that we brought it
1: up. Yep, they will. Let us know who wrote the original uh-huh, version. That's today. really who wrote important it. Who did on the pack. It is. All right, we're looking at vital reasons. The resurrection is vital. How about that? Okay. These are reasons fair, the resurrection fair. is Good vital. job. Mike. The resurrection of Jesus is the formal affirmation, installation of the Son as deserving Messiah King. I'm gonna say that one Whoa, one more time. That was a that lot of words. a there. whole lot of mouthful. That's a lot of words. The resurrection of Jesus is the formal affirmation installation of the Son as the deserving Messiah King.
0: What we're trying to get at Ooh. with that mouthful from Mike, and you know, you, those of you who listen on like 1.5 or 1.2 or whatever you do, you might just want to slow it down slow because it down. we might have another one that's a, a, a big mind, you know, y- yes, exploder. we might. <laughs> so what we're getting at, we're, we're trying to capture the reality, that, reality that's described in Psalm 2, mm-hmm. referred to in Acts 13, Romans chapter 1, as well as other texts. What happens when Jesus is raised from the dead? Something unique, something very visible, public. That's what Michael's getting at with formal. Uh, he is installed, he is affirmed, he is recognized in a formal, public way yeah. as the Son who is the deserving one to occupy the Messianic throne, to right. be the King, to be the Christ. Yes, yeah. So in Psalm 2, verse seven, uh, excuse me, Psalm two, verse six, it says, as for me, I have set my king on Zion. Another translation says I have installed my king. So Mm. that's where we're getting that idea of installation, affirmation, recognition. So I, I, I've set my king on Zion, my holy hill. Verse seven says of Psalm two, I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son today. I have begotten you. Hmm and we know that this has to do with the resurrection um strangely enough some people think it has to do with the incarnation but uh we digress mm-hmm. we know that we know that we know that we know that it has to, that it has to do with the resurrection because of the way the new testament Quote Psalm 2. Right, yeah. So in Acts chapter 13, verse 33, this he has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus, so it's resurrection, as also it is written in the second Psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Mm. So it is at the resurrection that this official from heaven statement, declaration, affirmation, installation, thing happens. Yeah. Romans 1, 4, Romans 1, 4 and was declared, so it's a declaration, yeah. and was declared to be the Son of God. He was the Son of God before, by the way, theologically. Right, right. But it's this declaration, this public thing that happens, that was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, the Lord. Hmm. So, Great, yeah, great stuff. Uh, important to see that that is this unique. I th- I'm just going to say installation, as yeah, you were saying, right, yeah. affirmation, installation, public approval for eyewitnesses to see, right, yep. that indeed he was the Messiah before, and he did messianic things before. But it's this culminated high point. Work on earth is done, right? Yes, sort of thing. Yes, yeah, installed as king. Yep, yep, the installed exalted. King, and, and really this is also anticipating, this exaltation that's affirmed from heaven, this exaltation is anticipating another exaltation. It's like a twofold exaltation, mm-hmm. which would be the ascension. Sure, yeah. We're talking about that next week. Next week. So exaltation in resurrection, exaltation in ascension. They go together, as we'll see next week, but we're looking at them separately. Yeah, for sure. All right, all right, all right. You know, one one problem that some folks will have here, Mike. Uh, not too many of Pactum listeners, but <laughs> if if somehow you don't want Jesus to be the exalted King now, you want that to be later because of your eschatological system. Mm. Uh, well, no, he's he is the fulfillment of Psalm two yeah. at the resurrection. Yeah. But we'll say more about the fact that that inaugurated, not consummated, but he most certainly, and next week we'll talk about the Ascension, where he is seated at the right hand. So he is ruling and reigning Reigning on the throne, Uh, and that's a rub for some people. Uh, We don't want it to be a rub for you who are listening today. Right. Let's have him deserve and receive the glory that he rightfully deserves. He is the king. He is the Messiah. He's not waiting to become the king. Right, yep.
1: Heck no. No, he is. Installed, <laughs> exalted, for sure. All right, a couple more of these to wrap up on the resurrection. Slow down that, you know, yeah, maybe not we go. Point 0.5. Not point but, 0.5, but not 1.5. Have either. you ever tried to listen to a podcast at 0.5? That is a wild ride, I tell you. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, sometimes I wonder who, I don't, maybe people do. I don't know. They do not want to miss it. All right, here I we go. I think I need a, a bunch of wasabi or something like that. Kind of, <laughs> wasabi.
0: I was watching, we were watching a movie the other night, and this uh, young woman was, she was snorting cocaine.
1: Well, oh, and, okay.
0: <laughs> because she needed to be more alert. And the, her, her mannerisms, <laughs> I thought, that's how I act when I eat too much wasabi on my sushi. <laughs> And I just thought, you know what? I think it'd be a lot better for your health if you just Eat did wasabi did the sushi. And wasabi.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> How about those? you uh, had those wasabi peas. You ever had those? I, I'm down with them. Those are good. Every <laughs> once in a while, you get a bite. Whoa, buddy! Though. Those so if good. you're
0: eating sushi right now, I think we just put the put the wasabi aside. <laughs> right? We we'd, 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 we 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 want you to be a little sedated because this is a big one. And if you're tuning in only for this unique feature, I, I think you came to the right podcast. Right? Yeah. Um, you might want us to, you know, get rid of all of the other things. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And only talk about this because this one's big. This one's kind of a mind-expanding, mind-blowing reality regarding right. the resurrection of Jesus. Ready for it? Yes. Ready. Number nine on our list of vital aspects: the resurrection of Jesus inaugurates. The eschatological new creation kingdom. Hmm. Only We only used one hyphen. That's good. One hyphen's good. Here we go again, and we'll unpack it. And if somehow you're thinking that's intimidating, uh, I I think I'm just going to speed it up and do more (laughs) wasabi. Don't do that, because really all of these things are easy to grasp, but we're just trying to use some big words to capture the big idea. Right. Hopefully it will cause you to love Christ more and to see the resurrection as all... The greater than you did before, perhaps. Right, so the right. resurrection of Jesus inaugurates the eschatological new creation kingdom. Hmm. Here we go. So when we talk about inaugurates, we're talking about the beginning. Yes. Right. So if the presidential inauguration, it's the beginning S- yep, of the presidency. Sorry to talk about politics. Um, Keep listening. Keep keep listening. listening. So it is – the resurrection inaugurates. So it starts. It's not the consummation. Right. Uh, right. That happens at the end. Think end of the book of, of Revelation. We've got the consummation. Right. But we have the inauguration. So it inaugurates the eschatological. So that's end times. The eschatos, the end. So Jesus' resurrection starts, begins the end time, the eschatological new creation kingdom. New creation kingdom are overlapping, but the new creation is when everything's right. When everything is as it should be. So yes, it's yeah. better than pre-fall because it's, it's all settled. It's all done because Jesus fulfilled the obligation as the last Adam. First Adam didn't do so. It led to all kinds of havoc. But it's even better. Things as they should be. Dominion has been had, mm. if you will. So it's the new creation. Kingdom would be the realm where everything is right. Uh, it's where everything is under the king, the Messiah, the Christ, under his authority, under his dominion. That's what happens at the resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus inaugurates the end-time eschatological new creation kingdom Hmm. where everything is right. Now we're going to have to prove it, Mike. Right. Now we have (laughs) to— I'm glad we we have listeners who trust us up to a certain point. Right, right, right. Right? They don't trust us— entirely without biblical proof and proof text. Um, But I'm thankful that some folks trust us. Maybe before we go any further, we will have to say that this also overlaps with the Ascension. Talk about it next time. Beale in his book on union with Christ, which we'll reference in the show notes, says union with the resurrected Christ is the beginning of the eschatological new creational. He uses that word a little different than we did. Kingdom. So mm-hmm. it may not be biblical, may not be right, but we're at least saying some other Someone New else, Testament scholars right? say that it's true. Yeah, yeah. So let's look at text to consider this eschatological, inaugurated, new creation, kingdom. Right. Probably won't go on one of our shirts.
1: Uh, probably not. That's that's a long one. The couple lines <laughs> graphically wouldn't look that great. But.
0: <laughs> so when you look at Acts chapter 2, you, you see all of this stuff happening.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In
0: fact, I think to not see it happening, you have to work really hard. Sure. You have to kind of, yeah, turn the other way I've or been something. that guy before, Mike. I don't want to see that. I've, I've been that guy who's facts, tried okay? to make Acts 2 be something other than what we're saying that it is. But when you take a look at Acts chapter 2 and Peter is preaching, it's the famous Pentecost sermon. In verse 16, he's referencing Joel and he says, and in the last days it shall be. God declares that I will pour forth my spirit on all flesh. In 18, I will pour out my spirit. And just to pause there for a second, we're starting to see the components of this reality that the Old Testament prophets talked about. They would talk about the last days. Mm. Over and over and over again, they look forward to this greater day that would be better than pre-fall when the ultimate Messiah would come. And they refer to it as the last days. And we know that this is true because Joel, for example, is quoted by Peter. Right. Peter has good biblical theology. And so he quotes Joel. He talks about the last days, but what is he doing? He's saying, in effect... This is that. Yeah, right. Yeah. He's connecting the dots. He's connecting the last days, the eschatological days, the new creation days with Jesus and with what Jesus has already accomplished. Right. Yes. And what happens according to the Old Testament, like in the book of Isaiah toward the end, in the last days, there's going to be this unique outpouring of the Holy Spirit like never before. Guess what? That's what's happening in Acts chapter 2, verse 17 and 18. Peter is connecting the dots. He's saying this is the fulfillment of that end times reality. Mike, it's so cool. yeah, Yeah, it is. Verse 23, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Verse 24, resurrection. God raised him up. So it's all tied to the finished, complete work of the Messiah who could rule and reign forever, which is what you need to fulfill the the messianic covenant, if you will, with David. God raised him up. He ties it to the resurrection. Hmm. He goes on to say in verse 25, Keep thinking with us, Pactum listeners, David says concerning him, and he's going to quote Psalm 16, so he's he's tapping David, who would be the guy. When you want to learn about Messiah, he's the guy to learn about the Messiah from because he's a Messiah figure, but he can't fulfill the eternal forever ruling and reigning aspect. So it's someone in his line. David says concerning him, Psalm 16, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, Mm. resurrection, hope, right? For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or the grave or let your Holy One see corruption. (laughs) Peter's connecting the dots, dots that David had already connected, if yeah, you will, right, right. it's yeah. got to be through the greater David. It has to be through the one who's in the Davidic line, Matthew chapter one. All of this is happening in Acts chapter two in his sermon. How about verse 29 to, to put a, to put a bow on it? Yeah. The patriarch David uh, says that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us today, Peter said, verse 30, being therefore a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection. David did. How about mm-hmm. that? Fire. Okay. spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. Mm. And then he talks about the Holy Spirit being poured out, the promise of the Holy Spirit. Uh, he talks about in verse 33, exalted at the right hand of God like a Messiah would be, like the Messiah would be, looking forward to the ascension as well. Promised Holy Spirit poured uh, poured out. Hmm. Peter's saying, "This this is what you're seeing and hearing right here before your very eyes. Right,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. That's good.
0: So if we go back to this reality, at the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, what we end up seeing, what we end up having, according to Peter, is we have the inauguration. We're still waiting for the consummation. Absolutely. But he is seated on the throne. He is the one who pours out the spirit, the eschatological outpouring. We do have the resurrection of Jesus inaugurating the end time new creation kingdom. Yeah. That's good. It's so good
1: fantastic
0: now we're not quite done because when we talk about the benefits that come to us mm, yeah then we we see more statements about this being very explicit about new creation yes um, right and, yeah and tied to the resurrection yeah so but you you can see listeners why why we end up creating labels for things like this uh, labels like already not yet mm, yeah 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 right and yep. why we say things like inaugurated because peter peter is saying this this is it but even uh, if we keep reading Peter, and even in the next chapter, as well as chapter one, he knows there's something more Yeah. At the, at the second coming. So we end up saying, okay, we're talking about the kingdom inaugurated, but we also are looking forward to Revelation 20, 21 and following. We're waiting for the kingdom consummated. Yes, right. There is more to it, but let's not make there be
1: less to it. Right. Yes, for sure. So benefits. Benefits. So, yeah, think of Second Corinthians 5.17, right? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... And, he, all, and
0: all Christians are. Yes. All Christians are
1: united to Christ. He is a new creation. The mm-hmm. old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So here's that already not yet, that new creation, the inauguration of that new creation kingdom with Christ as its king... You are a new creation if you are in Christ. That's so good. Yeah, benefits. Park it there. Amazing. and And
0: literally, you would translate that. He is, take take the letter A out. He is new creation. Hmm, yeah. And I think that makes it more um, awkward, but it helps us to capture the idea. He's not just talking about you as an individual, you know, get a mulligan or something. Sure, yeah. You know, he is new creation. Yeah. He, he's using the very language that's used of the end times reality. Sure, yeah, yeah. He is new creation. So if you're in Christ, united to Him by faith, and He's the resurrected one, you too are resurrected. You are also like Him, part of the new creation. Yeah. You are new creation. And then he says that, that provocative statement at the, in the second sentence, the old has passed away. And I like to say, it doesn't look like it when I look in the mirror, it doesn't (laughs) look like when I, I, I lust and, you know, long for other people's stuff. that's not mine. And I have all kinds of wrong thoughts and I'm idolatrous. The old things don't seem to be passed away, but he says, behold, the new has come. Hmm. Well, how could that possibly be? Well, it's not just because of my progressive sanctification that it is. It's because I'm in Christ. Yes. Yeah. New creation is, is already me. I'm already part of it. Mm. And so then we end up having like in the book of Galatians, something similar. Right. And the apostle Paul draws upon, upon that reality. And then he calls people to live differently. Mm. So you have the eschatological outpouring, uh, of the Spirit, you have all that you need. You're united to Christ. You're already a member of the new creation. Uh, all of that, that the, the new kingdom. So
1: act like act it. like it. Yeah, you know,
0: w- walk in light of that. Yes. He uses that kind of verbiage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's really cool stuff. Yeah, Galatians six fifteen. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Hmm. And he's, that's a, that's in a context. So he was talking about, you know, you're justified not by faith in works. So it's not about circumcision. It's about faith in Christ. And here it's, it's not about, it's not about the works. It's not about the circumcision and those things. It's about new creation. Well, guess what? If you're justified in Christ through his work, you are new creation. That's the most important thing. Yeah. That's the vital thing. So he's doing something similar in Galatians as he does in second Corinthians chapter five. That's good stuff. It's really, really good. Hmm. Be- Beale says this What is true of Christ in his end time resurrection and ascension is true of believers in their union with his resurrection. Hmm. So, what's true of him now is true of us. We're just waiting for his return when it's consummated. Yeah, consummation. But, but it is already ours. Hmm. So awesome. There's one more really awesome thing. I mean, do we have enough time for more oh, awesomeness? Oh, we have plenty of time for awesomeness. More, awesomeness. more awesomeness. This is maybe one of the coolest things that I've not really thought about before, but have begun to think about in these terms when we're talking about the eschatological reality that's the in the here and now. We are citizens of the kingdom, we are citizens of the new we're already part of the new creation mm-hmm. if we're in Christ because yep. he's entered in. Get a load of this from Beale and his book Union with the Resurrected Christ. Mm. All right, you might you might want to sit down for this one if you're standing. Yes, up, right. So if you're working in your garage, maybe <laughs> you know rebuilding the transmission or rotating the rotors or whatever you do, <laughs> I would be working on my bicycle or doing something like that, or you're mowing the yard or you're snuffling snuffling you're snuffling the snow <laughs> snuffling the snow. maybe you're maybe you're out fishing Shuffling you know casting snow. maybe you're cooking what oh, would be delicious right about now maybe you're cooking some pad thai mm. that would be pretty tasty mm. maybe you're making birria tacos for your family mm. maybe you're cleaning up regardless you might want to sit down for this one yeah here we go this is describing paul's damascus road experience in light of resurrection, him seeing the resurrected Christ, who he would have seen, and how Paul's Damascus Road experience transformed, drove, changed everything about his life and perspective in theology. Hmm. Here we go. Paul's major ideas are colored by this earth-shaking event in the apostle's life in that the resurrection is equivalent to the new creation kingdom. Both came to function as one lens through which Paul explains all his major ideas. I have to pause just for a little bit of a breath there, Mike. Hmm. So if this is true, it's a big deal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That he's looking through this particular lens as he thinks about pretty much everything. Yeah. Yep. Beale goes on to say, it is described as an apocalypse to Paul of Christ, the exalted son of God in Galatians one twelve and in one sixteen. That right there is enough for me to go. Oh, yeah. Okay. Prove it. Here you go. he goes on. Since the phrase in Galatians 1.12 is an apocalypse of Jesus Christ. I, I never thought about that right? before. Yeah. So when he sees the risen Christ on the road to Damascus, he, he sees an apocalypse. Hmm. Things that make you go home mm-hmm. hmm, or home. I don't know. <laughs> and then he says, occurs elsewhere in the New Testament, only in reference to Christ's final coming. First Corinthians 1, verse seven; Second 2 Thessalonians 1, 7, 1 Peter 1, 7 and 13, Revelation 1, 1. It suggests that Galatians 1, 12 is saying that Christ was revealed to Paul in the form in which he will come at the end of time. Hmm. His exalting, reigning, resurrected, new creational form. This is a classic example of the eschatological future, the end-time future, breaking back into the present, making the present an eschatological time. Page 94, Beale Union with the Resurrected Christ. How about that? Say what? I'm like... Apocalypse. That is... If, if that's true, that's really helpful. Hmm, yeah. Now, we do know what is true. Je- Jesus did appear to, to the Apostle Paul. Yes. So he appears to him, and it's post-resurrection, and Paul describe it, describes it as an apocalypse. I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. yeah. I, w- I wouldn't build my whole theological structure uh, on it, but in light of what we've already been seeing, sure. Yeah. I think that's a really good insight, and it, it really causes me to say, if if I had never knew this before, never thought about about it before. It's very Vossian. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's not the only person coming up with this. But it makes me want to even learn more. It makes me want to study more, it makes me want to learn more about the height and breadth and depth and greatness of not only our salvation, but also our great savior, the Lord Jesus. Hmm. Who's to say theology doesn't drive worship and 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 practice in life and thinking and he's my savior, he's the one I'm trusting in. Hmm.
1: Awesome. Yeah, very good. So good. Let's wrap it up with some resources. Speaking of wanting to learn more. Yes, we can... Recommend to our listeners. Top 10 list. This is number 10. Yes, number 10 is the resurrection of Jesus is worth further study. Boom. All right. Yeah. So we have some recommended resources. We'll make sure to link to these in our show notes for this episode. Uh, We have our usual suspects like Burkoff and Horton that we reference, uh, systematic theology and some of the Horton uh, resources we've also quoted from in this episode. Uh, Resurrection and Redemption by Gaffin.
0: Yep. Richard Gaffin has uh, kind of a classic book there. I would recommend it, especially to pastors. You probably should read that book sometime just to to grapple with it. Um, but Beal's drawing on Gaffin, and he's just sure. you know, standing on his shoulders to see further. So you could bypass Gaffin and just go to Beal. Yep. It's that book, Union with the Resurrected Christ. It's pretty new. Um, I think it's his latest book. He's written a lot of other things on biblical theology that have been helpful. But I, I would... You probably need to read that book if you're a pastor, and even if you're not a pastor, it's worth reading the intro, and then you can skip around and look at different texts of Scripture, Old Testament and New mm, Testament. Sure, yeah. But you begin to see that there's so much wrapped up in the reality of what it means to be united to Christ by faith. Yeah. Now, yeah. with that said, I'll give a caveat and uh, here on the Pactum, we're not the biggest Beal fans when it comes to in trying to show respect. But when it comes to the reality of justification, uh, so la fide, we're thankful that he says he affirms it. That's good. But sometimes with Beale, it seems like what he gives with one hand, he takes away with the other. Mm. And so and it's not only in this book. Uh, he says such great things about these realities and Christ's righteousness and substitute. And and then before you know it, somehow there might be a sense in which justification is based upon your righteousness, and mm. not only Christ's, which is really unfortunate and it's no small thing. So when you buy Beale's book, which we're affirming, uh, also be sure you look up the review that uh, Harrison Perkins does. It's excellent. And he affirms the book also like we're doing, yep. but he also points out some of the weaknesses of the book and uh, he's not the first one to do so. J.V. Fesco has done uh, something similar in his book on the Westminster Confession. Yep. So pick it up for what it's worth and just know that there might be some some justification issues. Speaking yeah. of justification issues and the resurrection and final justification not being by our works, we'll also link to a good article by J.V. Fesco uh, on this reality of final justification not being
1: by our works yeah Well want to thank you for being a part of the Pactumverse as always you can find more information on the Pactum on the thepactum.org you can find us on x at the Pactum Instagram at the Pactum Theology and you can email us connect at thepactum.org thanks again for listening we'll see you next time on the Pactum